uh, John has been instrumental in bringing the jazz gospel messiah to prisons all over Illinois and even in New Orleans and Mississippi. So I got to go with him. We went to District 12 prison together, and I remember walking in thinking, whoa, this is, this is pretty good. But it was, it was fun. We got to talk with a bunch of guys. And so thanks, John. I love having different voices up here so you get to meet the body of Christ all leading us in worship together, right? I love that. Get to hear the hearts of the people that make this church go, right? It's not the pastors, it's all of you. This church is about all of you and your hearts and what you're doing for the Lord and the world. That's awesome. So I love that this morning. All right, we're gonna, we're gonna preach now and uh, let's pray before we do that. Can we do that? Lord Jesus, I just pray you'd open the eyes of our hearts so that we can see wondrous things in your word. In your name we pray, amen. So I still play ball hockey twice a week in a gym over here on 83 and 22nd Street. It's usually at lunchtime on Tuesday and Thursday. And uh, we run around the gym, it's a great workout, real hockey sticks, and we shoot this hockey ball at each other. And uh, back in 2018, before I actually was working here, I was playing ball hockey, it was in July, and I took a freak... Uh, shot of the ball into my left eye, and I didn't get it closed. And so when I dropped to the ground in pain and got up from the ground, I could only see orange and red and gray colors out my left eye, but not anything else. It's a little freaky. So I got myself in the car, drove myself to the Wheaton Eye Clinic, which I had called ahead of time, and met with a doctor. And over the next uh, several hours they worked on me to make sure I wouldn't have to have surgery. I had bled behind the eye, which had blocked up some tube. I don't understand all of it, but they gave me some medicine, and they told me my prescription was to go home, sit in front of a TV, not move my eyes at all, for the next five days. So I watched the whole British Open. I told my wife it was doctor's orders. <laughs> the whole British Open was amazing, Okay. And little by little, my eyes started to clear up, and I started to see out my left eye again through the fog of all this stuff starting to clear in my eye. Now, this experience reinforced for me, very much reinforced for me, how being able to see, fully see, is a super important thing to a quality of life. As I sat on the couch and thought, man, if I only saw like this the rest of my life, this would be terrible. Only be able to see out one of my eyes? This would be terrible. You know, one of Jesus' most common miracles in the Bible when he's walking around Israel is to heal blind people of their physical eyesight being restored. And whenever you open someone's physical eyes, usually their eyes are open in other ways also. Usually their spiritual eyes are awakened. The healing of someone's physical blindness usually leads to them having their spiritual eyes open also. So this whole Healing of blind people is like a metaphor for the spiritual life. That's why Jesus does it so often, I think. Ruth Haley Barton, in her book, Discerning God's Will Together, says this. The spiritual journey can be understood as the movement from seeing God nowhere or seeing God only where we expect to see him to seeing God everywhere, especially where we least expect to see him. So today we're going to look at a story from John chapter 9. I love this story, actually. One of my favorite stories in the Bible. We meet a physically and spiritually blind man in the story. Okay? So let's, let's start to read. Here it goes. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. 
One of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. Jesus is on his way somewhere. He's not even paying attention. He's not looking for anything to do. He's just on his way somewhere doing his regular life. As he's walking along, he sees a blind man. He notices him. His eyes are tuned in to the needs of the people that are crossing his path as he walks along. I love that. Jesus totally tuned in. And, and, he, and he turns aside to talk with this blind man. Now, immediately in the story, we realize the disciples actually put on display their own spiritual blindness right away, right at the, right at the gate. Verse 2, here's how it reads. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why is this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? See, the disciples have been taught a theology that if someone's got a physical infirmity or disability, it's got to be somebody else's fault. Either his parents' sin, his sin, his uncle's sin, his grandparents' sin, somebody's sin, and God is laying down the punishment on this guy. So he's blind for a reason. And immediately the disciples show that they're blind. They've learned this theology that they've bought into, the whole country, the whole society's bought into, that's totally off, off the path. Totally shows their blindness. So Jesus addresses it right away. Look what he says, verse 3. It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so that the power of God could be seen in him or seen through his life. So Jesus is basically saying, the world's sinful. It's broken. It's complicated. Bad things are going to happen in the world. It's not necessarily someone's fault. We have to look for someone to blame. It's just the way the world is. But I, Jesus says this, I can tell you this, God is at work to put his power on display through all the brokenness and disabilities and messed up stuff in human nature. God uses that to put his power on display in the world. So the better question, Jesus says, is this question, what is God doing in this situation and how can I get on board with what he's doing? How can I lean into what he's doing? How can I see God's power at work through this situation? So this goes back to opening our eyes, seeing God's goodness, his work, his power around us, in spite of all the brokenness. Now, it's interesting, this theology is not just an old theology, it's a new theology. It's the one that goes on in the world today. When my brother Chris was born, so if you haven't met my brother Chris or don't know about him, he's my youngest brother, he'll be 50 this summer. He was born in a difficult way, was without oxygen for 45 minutes or so at birth, and it resulted in him having cerebral palsy which is basically a physical disability where he never has dressed himself, never taken himself to the bathroom, doesn't speak with his mouth like me, speaks with the machine, can't really get up and walk around. He's in a wheelchair for the whole 50 years of his life. I'll never forget when he was born and we found out the news this was going on. My pastor came over from my church and was sitting at the dining room table. I'll never forget this. I was 13. And I remember my mom was asking my pastor, what did we do? What did we do wrong? What did we do? Like, why is God punishing us? What's going on? How, how can we? And they were, my parents were just going on and on with this, looking for someone to blame, someone who's at fault, some reason why this happened. And my pastor kept ensuring him, nothing, you didn't do anything. It's just the way the world is. It's, it's just, yeah, it's terrible, but it's the way the world is. Now, it's interesting, when you're faced with this kind of infirmity, blindness, whatever, you have two choices. You can either look for someone to blame, you can blame God, you can blame yourself, you can blame your family, you can blame everybody else. Or you can turn to Jesus, to God in trust and say, God, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm going to trust you. I'm going to lean into what you have 
in store for us in this situation. I can tell you that's what my family did. My brother Chris, the power of God has been on display through his life throughout his 49 years as he's gone from place to place to place and Jesus has shined through him. He's got way more authority to speak than I do because of his weakness. Because when he speaks about weakness and about God's faithfulness, it's way more powerful than when I speak about it. So I don't know what's going on in your life this morning. I don't know what kind of stuff you're facing. You can either blame God or you can turn to him and trust. Right? Jesus is saying, turn to him and trust. The power of God wants to be put on display here. Now, the story continues. Jesus does a weird thing. Check this out. Then he spit on the ground, made mud with saliva, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. Now, I read this this week. I didn't know this, but apparently there's a ton of superstitions around spittle in the ancient world. That if you put spittle on someone's eyes, if you spit in the dirt or spit in their eyes, that somehow it would be miraculously cured. There's actually Roman history books that write about people being healed by people getting spit on. That's crazy. It's basically a superstition that was existing in this day. It was kind of a way things... I love how Jesus, he enters into that and just kind of says, okay, I can play, I can play this game. So he takes spittle, smears mud on the guy's face, and then he sends him on a journey to the Pool of Siloam. The Pool of Siloam, by the way, only exists because Hezekiah dug a tunnel that went from the river outside the city, the spring outside the city, into the city, and the Pool of Siloam is a spring of living water inside the city of Jerusalem. So this guy's going to send, he's going to send this blind man, Jesus is going to send this blind man on like a quarter mile journey through the city of Jerusalem. He's blind with mud on his face to the pool of Siloam to wash there and then he'll be healed. I love that Jesus invites him to participate in his own healing. To take a step of faith if he wants to be healed. Now over the last several weeks, think about it, we've had healing prayer time. We've had prayer time. We've had come to the water time. We've had come to the cross time. Some of you are still sitting in your seats hoping Jesus is going to heal you in your seat. He might. But Jesus might still be waiting for you to take a step of faith towards him. He might still be waiting for you to follow his instructions, to come to the cross, to make a move, to step out in faith. If this blind man said, are you crazy, Jesus? He wouldn't have been healed. He would have left with mud on his face. But he takes the journey, he washes his face, and his eyes are open. Now, I'm just crazy enough to try this stuff. So at camp, of, I don't know, it was probably 20 years ago, I was doing a middle school camp in Wisconsin. And on some day, I was talking about this story, and I told the kids, look, I've got the counselors up front with mud, buckets of mud. And if you want to get healed today, if you think Jesus has something to heal in your life, it could be something we see, something we don't see, I don't know, whatever it is. I want you to come forward. We're going to put mud on your face. And there's a lake a quarter mile from here. I'll be waiting for you. Take the journey to the lake. Now, I didn't know what was going to happen. I mean, it could have been kids laughing at me, but it was crazy. All of a sudden, hundreds of students heading for the front to get mud on their faces and journeying to this lake. And as I was walking with them to the lake, they were weeping. They were crying. One girl got in the lake. She was in there for half an hour splashing water on her. I finally went and got her out of the lake and said, Jesus has heard you. I put a towel around her and gave her to her counselor. And she was healed. You know, it's amazing how Jesus waits for us to take a step towards him. We're often so frozen in our shame, 
our fear. I don't know what it is. It's like we just don't want to go there. But it's like Jesus is just waiting to take that step. For you to take that step. Whatever you're carrying, I don't know what it is. How can you take a step? It doesn't have to be here in church coming to the front. Maybe it's some other step you're supposed to take. But he invites this man to take a step and he goes. And he's healed. Now, to this point in the story, he's opened the eyes of a blind man. He's opened the eyes of his disciples to the power of God and the brokenness around him. Now the story takes a turn. We get to meet some other blind people in the story. So let's keep reading. It begins with the neighbors and the locals. Look what they say. His neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, Isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said he was. Others said, No, he just looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, I'm the same one. It's me. So these are the people that had grown up knowing this guy. They've seen him begging his whole life. They grew up with him. They might have even been in his parents' house comforting them because they had a blind son that was born to them. And now he's healed. And they're wondering, is this really the guy? This is how we are, right, with miracles. Is this really the guy? What's going on here? Is this really the guy? I mean, it's unbelievable. It's really crazy. They're so used to seeing the blind man blind, and now that he can see, they don't recognize him. We only see what we're ready to see, right? We only see what we're expecting to see, what we desire to see. And the crazy thing is, when we get with other people who see the same things as us or question the same things we question, we start to question the power of God at work too. It becomes kind of a group think thing. So look at this. The neighbors launched their own investigation of the story. Check this out. They asked, who healed you? What happened? He told them, the man they called Jesus made mud and spread it over my eyes and told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. So I went and washed and now I can see. Where's he now, they asked. I don't know, he replied. So the spiritual paradigm of these neighbors, this stuff just doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. God doesn't work that way today. He doesn't show his power like that. Group thing kicks in. And everyone starts to believe, even though they can see he's the same guy, they're not really sure. And they want to keep investigating, trying to figure it out. Could this happen in a church like this? We start to doubt the power of God because groupthink kicks in about what God can and can't do. Is it possible that we could be blind in the same way? Check out Ruth Haley Barton again. She says this, human beings are like rocks in a riverbed. Just as the water flowing over the rocks day after day changes the shape of those rocks, we too are shaped by the flow of the dynamics at work in the group we are part of. These dynamics are often so subtle that it's very hard to recognize them. So these blind man's neighbors, nobody, think about it, no neighbor comes out and says, I know that's the guy. It's definitely the guy. He's definitely been healed. Because group thinks going on, everyone just sits and goes, I don't know. Maybe that's not the guy. I don't really recognize him. I'm not sure. Could this happen in a church like this? Where God's at work and we all are so busy with the, with the water running over us and we kind of know how things work here. We just kind of go, yeah, I don't know. God doesn't work that way anymore. God works this way, but not that way. You know, I think seriously, even if the resurrection of Jesus was recorded with video cameras in the tomb, there'd be people telling you why that was a bunch of baloney. Because there's people that are predisposed to not believing the power of God when they see it. This is totally true. Totally true. Now, the next group of blind people we meet in the story 
are the really most disturbing blind people of all, the religious leaders, the Pharisees. These are the experts in the law. They've memorized the scriptures. They know what God says. And so the neighbors take the blind man to the Pharisees to investigate. Check this out. They took the man who had been blind to the Pharisees because it was on the Sabbath that Jesus had made the mud and healed him. The Pharisees asked the man all about it, so he told them, he put the mud over my eyes, and when I washed it away, I could see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he's working on the Sabbath. What? Others said, but how could an ordinary sinner do such miraculous signs? So there was a deep division of opinion among them. The Pharisees' job was to uphold the law, to make sure that the religious system was preserved, because this was their power, this was their control over the people. So what do they see? They don't see a blind man who's been healed. They see a guy who broke the Sabbath day. And, and what rule did he break on the Sabbath? It was the rule they had made up about how the Sabbath day was to be kept. You couldn't heal on the Sabbath day. That was their rule. That's not in the Bible. That's their rule. The investigation con continues. Look at this. The Jewish leaders still refused to believe the man had been blind and, and could now see, so they called in his parents. They asked them, Is this your son? Was he born blind? If so, how can he see? His parents replied, We know this is our son and that he was born blind, but we don't know how he can see or who healed him. Ask him. He's old enough to speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had announced that anyone saying Jesus was the Messiah would be expelled from the synagogue. The Pharisees couldn't see it. Jesus was here to bring a fresh wind from God, a fresh wind wind of God's power and spirit into the world, a fresh wind of God's presence in the world, and the Pharisees, who had read the Bible inside and out, had no idea. They were investigating it. Whoa. Ever been in this situation before? Have you heard of the Asbury Re Revival? It's been going on? Yeah. Do you know how many times I've read on the internet people investigating it to see if it's really real? Tons of times. I've read people going down there to shut it down because it can't possibly be real. What is it with us? The Lord God is on the move and we're investigating it. I've talked to people at the revival. We have a student here who goes to the school. I've talked to her on the phone. There's people being healed. There's demons being cast out. There's people being led to Jesus. There's all kinds of things happening. And guess what? The best thing about it is there's no central figure, there's no central pastor on the stage making it happen. It's just a group of students pursuing the Lord. It's got to be real. <laughs> it's not some preacher like me going, hey, I started a revival now, you should all come to my church. No, it's just a bunch of students doing their thing. I love it. But we're, we're blind. So they summoned the man back again to investigate further. I'm skipping a slide there, Kyle. So for the second time, they called in the man who had been blind and told him God should get the glory for this because we know this man, Jesus, is a sinner. I don't know whether he's a sinner or not, the man said, but I know this. I was blind, and now I can see. What a testimony. I was blind, and now I can see. I can see. You have to wonder if we're not unlike these Pharisees. Sometimes God's doing something run among us, but we can't see it because we're so predisposed to how God works in the world. Is it possible that's happened to you? I think it's happened to me. 
I don't really have a story for that, but I think I probably have missed what God's doing right among the people of God because I've just had my eyes only focused in one direction. So preachers can miss it. Church people can miss it. People in the world can miss it. The power of God's on display. God's doing something amazing. And we're investigating. Instead of leaning in, we're investigating. All right, we're going to run ahead here. Um, next, next slide is this one. And Jesus told him, I entered this world to render judgment. So eventually this guy gets, uh, they eventually get so mad the guy won't, won't say that Jesus is a sinner, they kick him out of the synagogue. So Jesus sees this and he approaches him and he says this. Jesus told him, I entered this world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind and to show those who think they see that they are blind. The Pharisees hear this. And they say, are you saying we're blind? If you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty, Jesus replied, but you remain guilty because you claim you can see. Ouch. You claim you can see. Have we ever been accused of the same thing? You claim you can see, but you really have no idea. Uh, I've, I've had this experience a million times in ministry. I was at a school in uh, the Central Valley of California speaking, and I remember uh, on Tuesday morning specifically, like, it was like the Holy Spirit bomb went off in the school. And kids came forward and lots of stuff went down. And I thought, wow, this is going to be amazing the rest of the week. The worship band was all kids. The next morning they showed up early to practice to get this worship, you know, get ready for this worship. They thought it was going to be explosive. We came to the chapel the next morning and it was like nothing had happened. I sat in the back thinking, what is going on? I came to find out that the Bible teacher was investigating in his Bible class each day what was happening in chapel each morning. So basically all the kids were in investigate mode. Is this really real? Did the power of God really show up in our school? I got an eight-page letter from that Bible teacher the day I left asking me to debate all of these points of doctrine and I just declined politely because <laughs> it wouldn't have been polite if I debated him. So decided to just walk away. So to finish this sermon, let's just go back to the blind man himself. He gets his eyes open. Remember, he was, we're not sure where he was at with his faith. He was superstitious. He believed in spittle on the eyes, maybe. I don't know. A lot of things going on. Who knows what he believed? But I love that as you go through the story, he starts out first calling Jesus a man. So early in the story, he says, this man who healed me, Jesus. A little later, when they ask him again who healed him, he says, this man's a prophet. So his faith goes from he's a man to he's a prophet. Well, a little while later, he calls him a man of God, a man who's come from God. Because how could anyone heal a blind man who had not come from God? And then, this is awesome. He meets up with Jesus at the end of the story. We'll read this part. When Jesus heard what had happened, he found the man. They'd been kicked out of the synagogue. Do you believe in the Son of Man? The man answered. Who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. You've seen him, Jesus said. He is speaking to you. Yes, Lord. I believe, the man said. And he worshiped Jesus. So he goes from being totally blind, both physically and spiritually, to having his eyes totally open. 
I have a question for you. Have you ever been across the table from someone whose eyes are suddenly opened to the gospel, to the reality of Jesus? Have you ever been in that moment of that transaction when you've been talking to that person and you, you're the one who helps them open their eyes, who helps them open their hands, who helps them open their life to this Jesus? There's nothing like it. If you have not been in that seat, I want to encourage you to start praying for someone, that God would give you someone that you could help find this Jesus. There's nothing like it. I could tell dozens of stories where God's put me in that seat and I've been able to be the one to help someone cross the line of faith to get to know and follow this Jesus. Nothing like it. Most of you think, oh, I can never do that. That's groupthink. We don't want to think that way. The power of God lives in you, the same power that lives in me. The same Holy Spirit that's in me is in each one of you that follows Jesus. It says in Ephesians, the power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in each one of us. So all of us have the ability to sit across the table and Jesus will give us the words to lead a person into the kingdom. You could help someone really see. Wouldn't that be awesome? You just have to pay attention to the people as you're walking along that are blind along the side of the road. Follow Jesus' example. All right. Let's pray. Jesus, um, these stories of how you move in the world, they're encouraging, they're convicting. How you open uh, people's eyes. Lord, I know that you've opened my eyes a number of times over the years when I thought I knew it all, and then you showed me something else. This morning, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would open the eyes of our church, Lord. Show us more. Show us the more you have for us, Lord. Help us not to be investigating. Instead, help us to have open hands to receive what you might want to give us. In your name, Jesus, we pray all these things.